Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. Uh, and on the turntable this week, we are going to be revisiting a hidden gem. Uh, it's Come and Get It, which is the second studio album by Rachel Stevens, released in October 2005. It was the creator of four top 20 singles was criminally overlooked by the great British listening and buying public, but critically lauded for its quality pop music. And hence, it's finding a new home and some new love again, and some fresh love again here today on the podcast. Dan, what do you know about Rachel Stevens? first of all? I don't stalk her. Um, she was my favourite member of Rest Club 7. Um, I think she was a lot of people's favourite member of S Club 7. I think she was the Rachel Green of S Club 7. And she does look a bit like Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I So I did have Rachel Stevens' first studio album, solo album, Funky Dory. Um, I was a big fan of Sweet Dreams, My LAX. I actually really liked the track Funky Dory. I think the a Bowie, a Bowie sampling track. And then this one sort of completely, I think, when it's quite 2005... Perhaps I felt like I matured a little bit. Perhaps my music taste had changed a little bit. I remember I enjoyed Negotiate with Love and So Good. I'll let you know what I thought about it. I said never again, but here we are. A little bit later, probably. Um, it's sad that you it's, this did pass you by, because this is so much better than her first album. Uh, I think the stakes were raised. Um, some brilliant talent was was drafted in to write, to produce. And as we will discover over the next 13 tracks, some some great results came out of it. I think The Guardian referred to it as one of their albums of the year. As I've been researching it ahead of this episode, I've been quite shocked by how much the critics love this album. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, the fans did not, I guess, that time of pop and... You know, it was this, this is when we were getting into a little bit of indie territory, wasn't it? Really, I think, or it's much more prominent. This is when pop music for me was going through a, a huge renaissance. When pop music was good, pop music was was you, it was respectable. People, girls allowed were at their peak. There was a lot of really good music in production, and it wasn't it wasn't considered a guilty pleasure to listen to pop music I think the second Rachel Stevens album dropped in right at that time and I think producer wise she had Richard X on board she had Xenomania on board uh, Jules and Stone who are really big pop music producers of the time as well um, and um, some great Swedish talent on on a couple of tracks as well it really did feel like the, this album was very much the right time that music to come out and if you listen to it today as we will be it, it still sounds fresh still some great songs on there it does in fact shall we get things started should we dive in this is track number one this is so good There's a real punch of energy for a lead track on an album. It's a great way to, to launch in. I love the empowerment in that song. 
the message. It's a really, really bold production as well. I think it's... And she sounds good on the track. Rachel sounds great. She sounds great. I think, you know, it's quite clear she wasn't the lead vocal in S Club 7 and she isn't the... She's, you know, she's no Mariah. But, um, yeah, she, she she delivers her songs with, with a punch, as you said. I, I remember at the time, I really liked this one. I bought this on CD single. Um, it's got a real club feel to this one, hasn't it? I remember seeing this performed for the first time on CD UK. Mm. Um, it was the first time I'd heard the song as well. And that was when like CD UK was, at that point, it was bigger than Top of the Pops. Absolutely, And yeah. it was when like, SMTV was really popular in the Saturday morning, classic kind of hangover Saturday morning TV. And you would tune in and to hear, you know, songs like that on there. And I remember just being really like, made me sit up and listen yeah. to the song. And then she started with that breath. It starts with a breath, doesn't it? There. I can't remember the exact nuances of her performance. I'd really rather you found out for next time. Let's move on to track two now, which is uh, I Said Never Again. But here we are. Dan, I know you've got a strong opinion about that song, so come on, let's have it. I think this is where the relationship between Rachel and I came to an end. I think this is actually where her pop career came to an end, isn't it, if I'm not mistaken? And I can absolutely see why. <laughs> I don't want to be too critical because, you know, it's not a terrible song. There are far worse things out there. But I remember around this sort of period of uh, Rachel's music, there was So Good, which is a, you know, a real club banger, builds nicely. Um, there was Negotiate With Love, which, you know, I won't give a spoiler, but I thought it was a great produced track. And this came about and I found it so, I don't know, I don't, a little bit cheap, um, a bit cheesy. I wasn't surprised. I remember at this point, um, I knew that Rob Davis was a songwriter. I know that he'd worked with Kathy Dennis, who had written... The great... Kathy Dennis. The great Kathy Dennis. Let's, let's do an episode just about Kathy Dennis songs, in fact. Um, she'd written, together they'd written Can't Get You Out of My Head. And I know that Kathy worked on Sweet Dreams, My LAX. So she did. Great songwriters. But Rob Davis came from the band Mud and that glam rock scene. And for me, this song just sounds very It is much, very glam rock. And I remember yeah. the video. It was very bright. It was very bold. It was in a women's set in a, in a well, I'm assuming it's a women's prison because there are a lot of women there. I think it was Bad also girls. the same prison that they used <laughs> to film Bad Girls in. Yes. Oh, that was a complete. Stab if you in remember, the dark. if you remember, if you remember Bad Girls, I remember being on. I think I had to go to bed. I mean, I enjoy this song. It's got a glam rock sort of knockabout feel to it. Also, if you listen to the lyrics, questionable what she's referring to. Yeah, I think I remember. Again, researching this album, and, and it's a little bit, a little bit coy, a little bit racy. Would you say she's it's definitely racy? This song isn't it about a one night stand, perhaps being let in back doors, and I said Sorry. never again. Yes, yeah. So uh, you can draw your own conclusions, or just draw a veil over that altogether. The latter, please. But sadly, this was the third and last single. There was a plan for single, which we'll come on to, which was nothing good about this goodbye, which is fantastic. No, it never came to fruition. No, I'm sure we'll hear, I'm sure we'll have a chat about it in more detail shortly. 
But this was this was the last Rachel Stevens single ever released, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and obviously um, S Club 7 did get back together and they did tour again more recently. Well, it's probably a good few years ago now. And Rachel did have a solo section. I don't think she did this song. Did you go and see it at all? I didn't, unfortunately. I was busy. Really? Yeah. What doing? Uh, I just had family round. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Anyway, time to move on to track number three. This is Crazy Boy. funny you say, say that actually because there is a song in this album that I think has a real Bond theme to it and it isn't this one <laughs> well it's not that it doesn't but there's um, that wasn't my first my first thought was a sort of gold frap sort of a super nature sounding like... and super nature is, again was was at this glorious time yeah uh, uh, it was out around the same time as well and they were really kind of at the forefront of that pop what is acceptable pop music well, where is electro pop yeah, yeah, and where is this blend? Where is the where is the fine line between Rachel Stevens and Goldfrapp creating these similar sounds? Um, which is what, what a time to be alive. It really was. Uh, Richard X on production there, you can tell. Our old pal Richard. Yeah, I mean, again, we could and we may well do a whole episode on Richard X. I think actually we get to this point in the album track three and already these tracks, these three tracks being produced by different people the last few albums we've looked at, um, Madonna and Take That and things like that, they've kind of got one key producer looking after that sound. And here, maybe it feels a little bit more like a, a pick and mix. And that's why you have things like uh, I Said Never Again, but here we are. Um, which is a bit like the, uh, the chocolate-coated Brazil nut of the, of the pack. And will you say pick and mix? I say careful curation. <sighs> you would. Uh, and I'd love to hear some of the tracks that were recorded with the same producers but were not ultimately used on the album. Well, um, perhaps in on the 20th anniversary she'll release a, you know, a six-disc set. <laughs> she'll do a, a Danny Minogue and release a 20th anniversary... Was that Neon Nights? Or? Neon Nights, yeah. yeah. Track four now, this is I Will Be There. if I meet you in heaven well it does feel a little bit sad actually mm, it's quite a light beat to it it's definitely slower than the first three tracks but still that nice I think it ties in more with the previous track Crazy Boys that that sort of more electro sound a, a real electro ballad there I think that sort of carefully considered pared down electro sound is I like it in the mix in this album so you've got the bolder brassier tracks like the one you don't like. Um, Shan't name it. Um, and I think as we go into the next track, uh, that theme continues. 
Yeah, I just... Um, I'm not pull... going there yet. Good, because I'm not ready. I'm not ready to make a move. <laughs> um, I mentioned on the previous song about how the producers, there's a lot of different producers on here and a lot of different um, contributors in that sense. In terms of the songwriting, uh, it's a songwriter called Hannah Robinson who appears on three of these first four songs. Um, and Hannah Robinson, I don't know about you, it's not a name that I'm overly familiar with as a songwriter. Well, I think, actually, if you've got a keen ear for good pop music uh, and you do a bit of digging, she's got her finger in a lot of pies. She has. Um, Kylie, The Saturdays, Lana Del Rey is a bit more of a, a bit more of a, what do you call it, a mature curveball. More of a singer-songwriter feel. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely worth looking into uh, while she's done. I also found out during this research she's worked with the great Jerry Halliwell, who I hope we will feature at some point. <laughs> Which Halliwell songs has she done? Um, it was on the Passion album, which I have to say is an, the first Jerry Halliwell album. Again, released in 2005, but the first Jerry Halliwell album that I have never owned. Um, some A couple of great tracks on there. Desire was brilliant. Remember yeah, that one? but it bombed, didn't it? Yes, it didn't. It wasn't great for her. Uh, let's move on now. Let's get back to Rachel. Uh, let's get back to, to Rachel. Track five, Negotiate With Love. Closed. I think this is the the lost Bond song of the album. Um, particularly during the chorus, is that kind of there's a, that guitar twang in there, which is very reminiscent of the uh, famous John Barry Bond theme. I I don't agree with that in the I workplace. Do <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with that. I think we're both in agreement that it's a brilliant pop song. Yes, absolutely. This is. Um, one of my favourites. I don't know if this is all so good. But yeah, I remember when I remember when it came out and I remember thinking that she was sort of back on the right track. This after... was the lead single from on from the albums. This was the first thing we heard. I think aside from Some Girls, which was more of a separate entity. Yeah. I think this was the first time when I actually sat up and took her seriously for brilliant pop music. Yeah. Because of the because of the electro sound. So much to unpack in that track with the the bass guitar, um, the drum beats, uh, the little asides, the little bits that almost. Uh, can you turn down the track a little bit, please? Do you think that was staged? I don't. I've over the course of the last thirteen years, I've never really thought. I like to think it was just a little aside in the studio that they thought they'd build into the production. Yeah, I think it's it's. Few people nice. do it, don't they? Eminem did it on uh, "Clean Out My Closet." Where's my snare? Um, what, a, what an opportunity to talk about Eminem and Rachel Stevens in the same breath. Well, who would have thought? And also, can I just add a third person to the mix there? Diana Ross in uh, Not Over You Yet. She wanted a little bit more bass, I believe. Um, but Negotiate With Love, and going right back to the beginning of that Bond thing, even sounds a little bit like a quite a bad Bond title. Right, should we uh, move on then? No, I'm not ready to oh, move so on yet. The case um, is closed. No, it's not closed. I think we've got to talk about the video for this song as well. Do you remember it? It was... Um, it was very stylized, and it was different. Lots of different Rachels in different rooms of a house, mm. s- ripping things, smashing things up, trying to get 
rid of the memory of a man. Was it a little bit like that CITV game show where you had to tear the house apart? Finders Keepers. Yes. Uh, with Neil Buchanan. Yes. Do you know what reminded me of that as well? The Mel C and Brad Adams video, When You're Gone. Yes. Which I think they were in different countries, so they filmed the video. Yeah. Well, you've really put a dampener on that for me, actually. One of the highlights on this album, without a doubt, Negotiate With Love, and probably a pinnacle in Rachel Stevens' solo career. Yeah, a pinnacle in quite a small, short-lived career. Uh, on to track number six now, and um, I hate to say it, it's all about me. about me there it's all about you always (laughs) and I guess we've reached the middle of the album now and that's definitely a little bit of a filler for me wow completely disagree really yeah so as mentioned before I hadn't listened as mentioned before I hadn't listened to this album well ever until I knew we were going to be talking about it so I've been listening over the last week and as soon as it started I thought where the hell is that sample from um and it took me a good, you know, when you spot someone in a TV program and you're trying to find out where they're from, um, and you have to pause the program because you can't concentrate on it. And anymore. you can't, yeah, you can't move on until you know. No. Yeah. And of course, it's a sample um, of the Cure, "Pictures of You." Um, I do like the Cure. Are you a fan of the Cure? I, I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan, but they've done some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like Friday? I'm in love, or. Love cats or things like that. Exactly. And again, to mention The Cure and Rachel Stevens in the same breath. Yeah. not. We're going to all sorts of places with this one. Likewise, I'm sure some Cure fans were absolutely disgusted to hear that this Absolutely revolted. Livid. Ah, mad. But what is interesting, again, a different producer coming in, and this time, uh, so track six and yet another producer. This is Fraser T. Smith, who has gone on to work with Dell, um, Tinchy Strider, Gorillaz even. So I imagine cut his teeth on Rachel Stevens. <laughs> that. Uh... <laughs> uh, would you like to take a little trip now down to Rachel's secret garden? Rachel's Secret Garden there. How did you find that? Um, I really like that. I love the 80s tinge Yeah. Um, to the production on that one. Uh, and again, talking about just the variety of writers and producers, one of the writers this is Karen Paul, one half of Alicia's Attic. Remember them? I do. I loved Alicia's Attic. There was a song, was it The Incidentals, I think? Some, uh, fantastic pop song. It's... Really a shame that I think they're both doing quite well as songwriters, aren't they? The Paul sisters, and it's a shame that we're not getting to hear them performing their own songs. Really, 
She's co-written some brilliant pop songs, particularly Kylie Minogue's. Remember Red-Blooded Woman? Yeah, I think she did a lot on was that the Body Language album. Yes. Lily Allen as well. Yeah. Atomic Kitten. Well, Sugar go, Babes. Let's go back to the good ones. Will Young. You better. But how nice would it be? A nice little Alicia's Attic reunion. Alicia Rules the World. That was I Am, I Feel. Some really good stuff. Are we uh, going to feature them? Maybe one day. Um, what did you think of that track? It's it's a nice again. It's keeping this theme of a real electronic feel running throughout, but still allowing the tempo to change a little bit. So, as you said, a nice a nice ballad, nice the synths are a little bit more plinky. Lovely words. Yeah, again, it's not my favourite on the album, but it's a nice song. I have to say, moving on to the next song, I'm not a fan of this title. Nothing good about this goodbye. I'll tell you why afterwards. It is a great song. Um, I feel like I should explain myself a little bit uh, on the title. So this was a, a Xenomania track, wasn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. Who are who? Well, are I say I don't know what they're doing at the minute, but did write some of the best and at pop this songs. Point of the last they decade. were they were ruling the roost in production for brilliant pop songs. So Girls Aloud, Sugar Babes. Um, they almost wrote an album with Franz Ferdinand. I don't think that quite got anywhere today. Shelved, um, but. You know, if there was, there wasn't a, a really good pop song that didn't have their fingerprints on it at the time. No, and I think what was great about them was the songs were quite unorthodox. They didn't follow the kind of the pop formula, and the titles were also really fantastic as well. So, can't speak French. That you know, that doesn't sound like a girl. You can't imagine Spice Girls putting a song out called "Can't Speak French" or "Sexy No No No." However, this title for me, and I'm probably being so nitpicky now, but. It just feels a bit like they like they came up with the title first and built a song around it. So I've got a little bit of pop history about this track, actually, because it wasn't originally a Rachel Stevens song. Oh. So one of the writers of this song is uh, Alexis Strum, and she was a singer-songwriter of the time. Um, I think I remember the name. She, I guess she didn't have huge commercial success, but one of her early tracks, I don't think it was ever released, was a version of this song. Although this is quite melancholy, her version was almost ballad-esque oh. in that it was a lot slower. And the chorus in this version is a lot more uplifting. But if you can find... There's not much around. I was looking for some of her stuff in the run-up to this week's recording um, because she did record, and it's hard to come by, uh, she did record in partnership with Xenomania, in fact, some really good pop songs. Mm. Um, but most of which were never were never released... I know she had an album, Cocoon, which came out, which was very much more acoustic and singer-songwritery. But I think the remnants of her career live on through this track on Rachel Stevens' album, which is, she is credited, quite rightly, as a co-writer for. What I would say is, sound-wise, um, I do think it is one of the strongest songs in the album. I also think it's one of the more poppy-sounding songs. And, you know, we've talked about how that word became credible and, you know, bands like Goldfrap made it okay to made it seem more okay but I think this feels a little bit more like it could have even potentially been on one of the later S Club albums it's got a wonderful soaring guitar led middle eight 
as well mm. to watch out for. Well, that's that it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're on to track number nine now. Um, this is Some Girl. hit that song when it came out when it came out which was a year and three months before the release of the album which to me feels a little bit lazy um it was very much its own thing at the time and i remember it was a charity single for sport relief there was a video which featured rachel stevens i remember and and various sports stars Mm. of the time walking down the street and it almost felt like a bit of a comeback seems a strange thing to say when she probably had the previous album a year before but the single Funky Dory flopped. I can't quite remember where the cover of More, More, More came into things, but this felt like... A bit of a reinvention as yeah. well. Because it did, it did showcase for the first time the more of the direction and sound that she was heading in. It's clearly Richard X again producing. A great song um, and critically acclaimed. It actually went on to win Pop Justice's best pop record of 2004, uh, getting their £20 music prize. Next one. Do you speak French? Oui, je me parle. That was Jim Appel, which, if I'm not mistaken, was based on the famous Jim Appel Raquel scene from Coronation Street, uh, where she was having French lessons with Ken Barlow. Is that true? No. <laughs> um, but that song, what is true, is that song was co-written with Shelley Paul, Karen's sister. So it's nice to have a little Alicia's Attic reunion on this album. Just, just straddling different tracks. Straddling. I love the electro sounds and beats in that song, though. Yeah, it, it's I, very soft vocals, but with a harder electronic edge to it. Yeah, a little bit more in keeping with maybe um, I want to say Wild Boys, but it's Crazy Boys. <laughs> Wild Boys, very different song. Je m'appelle. She doesn't speak much more French after that, does she? I, she, I don't think she goes any further than that. No, it's like when you do go to France and you try a little bit of the French and then just point to the menu and hold up how many beers you want. Again, the nuances in this album where you move from a really fast upbeat in your face track something a little bit slower a little bit more seductive um and i think it's very well placed at this point in the album to have something like that going on moving on moving on interestingly uh we're going back to a xenomania track which is fantastic in itself but also it's rachel's only co-write of the album oh and i was going to mention that fact well funny how i got there first (laughs) funny how i always <laughs> I don't know. It's magic, isn't it? I think when you look, I mean, they've got the definitely got the Xenomania big guns writing 
towards this track with alongside Rachel, Brian Higgins, Miranda Cooper. I think at the time, if Miranda Cooper had a hand on the on the on the lyrics, it was just fantastically well written. Yeah, very quite playful lyrics, very clever wordplay in her in her lyrics as well. We we do you know what we need to do a separate podcast series of what happened to Xenomania. I know where are Xenomania. I know they're still operating as a production house. I know Miranda Cooper's no longer there. Uh, Brian Higgins has still got the helm. I think tracks they produce now are much fewer and further mm. between. Or is the music scene just moved on from them? I think so too. I know they latterly produced a few bits for the Saturdays. Yeah. And I Nadine Coyle, they recently, for her EP that she released, I think they produced the whole thing. Did they? But anybody hoping for a retread of Girls Loud sound and music, it was much more progressive into kind of what's what's a really good sound now. I think they interesting they did a track on Sarah Alto's album. Oh. She was uh, a uh, from a recent X Factor series. She was also in Eurovision this year, and it was a good track. Yeah, but what we can hope for, I think, certainly there's a comeback they're anticipating, and there's. Um, a band we love who continued to work with similar people. Mochi Keisha Siobhan wrote with Xenomania back back when they were recording their album. And I think they have regained the rights to the name Sugar Babes again. Okay, so we could see that, finally see the there's original an Sugar etern- There's an eternal hope there. Yeah, and also Pet Shop Boys, of course, have worked with them in the past. Currently back with Stuart Price in the studio, who we love. But I'd quite like... I wouldn't ever want to rule out Xenomania and Pet Shop Boys not working together again. What about even Xenomania writing with Pet Shop Boys produced by Stuart Price? Blow my mind. <laughs> uh, we're on to track 12 now, which is Every Little Thing. I think what's interesting about this song and the next song, they were listed as bonus tracks on the album, but they were on every format of the album. So it's almost like a bonus for everyone, a gift for everyone. You're going to get an extra track. You're going to get an extra track. Am I going to get an extra track? No, you're not getting the extra tracks. I would argue that the final track on the album, that we'll come to in a couple of minutes, is absolutely not bonus track material. We think it should have been in the bulk of the album. I think it should have been in there, in the mix alongside Crazy Boys and Negotiate With Love. Well, I don't wish to brush every little thing under the carpet, but shall we go straight there? I think, actually, this is a good point to talk about the amazing the artwork on the album. It's Rachel's head with bejeweled Rachel Stevens written on it. It looks like, um, it looks like they could have designed it in Claire's accessories. Let's move on. So we're on to the final track of the album before we go into our further listening. This is Dum Dum. at the end 
the the kind of the sort of hum as it as it fades out. It's almost it's almost like she was hinting towards the next album and going for a grunge sound maybe. In your dreams, Dum <laughs> uh, Dum. I love how it just sounds completely different to anything else on the album. I do really love the the, the synths, electronics on here. They're a little bit more playful than you get to hear on some of the rest of the album. Um, I think they play a bit more of a prominent role as well. And writing and producing on that track, uh, alongside Negotiate with Love, two different groups of Swedish writers and producers, uh, and the only track that they contributed to the album. Um, but I think I like it because it brings a very different sound in, but at the same time it still feels in keeping. Yeah. We're out of time on the well. album itself, but I think we'd love to go a bit further, and I think we probably haven't got too much else to explore with Rachel Stevens, but I think we wanted to extend it into the S-Club world with our further listening choices. Yes. Would you like to kick us off? Yes, I would, actually. And I've, I've gone even further, actually, and I've chosen a track from S-Club 8. Wow. Um, That's really breaking the rules. So, obviously, S-Club Juniors were a spin-off group of eight very much younger uh, teenagers, uh, but they matured and they became S-Club 8... This is after S Club 7 had very much retired from the spotlight at that point. And they, their album Sundown is full of some great tracks. Uh, I'm going to pick Fool No More. It's a good pop song, isn't it? Um, that is a fantastic pop song. I think it showed the, the very quick step in maturity. I say maturity. There was a level of maturity from their first album to the second album. I think they moved into a, a slightly more mature pop sound. But I think I love that the chorus in that song is so catchy. And interestingly enough, I don't know if you clocked the two members of S Club 8 that later went on to, to be in a quite big group of their own. Uh, they were in Oasis, is that right? <laughs> yes, Frankie and Rochelle from Saturdays. Uh, started their pop careers very early, and look at them now. What are they doing now? Well, I think... One's on This Morning and one's raising kids, the kids. Yeah. Kids, kids. Um, I don't think the Saturdays have actually ever split up, have they? Not officially, but I don't get a feeling they're coming back anytime soon. No. I think a nice opportunity to highlight a really good pop track from them... Dan, what have you gone with? Well, like you, I've gone into the, I've delved deep into the world of S Club, so I've gone for S Club TV, the uh, the series featuring a young Holly Willoughby as presenter. Not really, they didn't record any songs, but do you remember that? Yes, yeah. Actually narrowing down one S Club slash S Club 7 song, because obviously Paul left and they took the 7 away. Um, four whole albums there, quite difficult to do. Don't want to be too obvious, um, but I think their last single was overshadowed by the other track on there, on that double A side. Yeah, go on. So I'm going to go for Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You. Oh, I was just thinking about that one. Yeah, yeah great choice. Yeah. yeah, let's put it on. Yeah. Show me, baby.
great choice. I think it's good to point out at this point, we don't actually share with each other what our further listening tracks are going to be, so it is a genuine treat and surprise. Absolutely. Because um, you were initially disgusted that I'd gone with S Club 8, and I was over the moon that you'd gone with this track. Disgusted is probably the wrong word. Um, Flabbergasted. Um, shocked. There's just... Just shocked. Tepidly shocked. Um, good choice for this one, by the way. Thank you. I think it's... Uh, yes, yeah, so it was... The second single released from the Seeing Double album um, and was overshadowed because after it was released, I think that album bombed the first one not to get in the top 10, I don't think it even got in the top 20. Um, they decided to call it a day and so they released it as the double A side with Say Goodbye, which took you know, took the limelight a little bit because of the split. and quite. A... But this was the better track. Definitely, it's got that, I think the street, they got quite used to that funky string disco sound that you'd heard in Don't Stop Moving and Alive as well. Um, so, yeah, really great. Really, kind of really hinting back to disco music. Um, and I do remember, do you remember at the time, Joe had done a backing and she wasn't able to do the dance routines. Yes, so I remember that, yes. They performed it. She was just stood on a little, little podium while the rest were doing all the legwork. Um, but obviously her vocals, as with a lot of S Club songs, just carry a lot of the songs through. Mm. One of those acts where it's quite interesting how she was the lead vocalist throughout their career, but just couldn't really do it alone. Which is why she's now back with S Club 3. Well, I was going to say, the least said about kind of where they're at now, the better. Yeah. I think, just to go back to Rachel Stevens, I think she's... Oh, yes, let's... Um, <laughs> She's done well for herself. She's married into money and she's had a couple of kids. Uh, and I think she's um, doing all right for herself. Mm. I wonder, I, it's one of those where I do wonder, does she miss it? Do you think she still wishes she was performing? Um, or if she's able to live a happy, comfortable life without it, perhaps she prefers that. I think she's all right. Yeah. We're out of time. Oh. So it's been, I've loved revisiting Come and Get It by Rachel Stevens today. It's, a, it's a, just a standout pop album for me. So, Dan, thank you for indulging me. Well, no, thank you for playing along. I was pleasantly surprised with some of what we came across there. Uh, do you remember Come and Get It? Uh, do you agree with what we said? What are your memories of that album, that time, in, that glorious time in pop music? Let us know. Yes, please do. At Move to Trash UK across most social media platforms. Hashtag track by track. Um, and then please, as well, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, what's coming up next? Do you care to share a hint? I would love to, yeah. Next week is... I suppose, really, this is one that I've bought that I don't think you've been too familiar with before. So it's a band that we've name-checked quite a few times, a, a four-piece American, a bit more of a rockier act than we would normally touch on. But they're working with our old mucker, Stuart Price. So next week's episode of the Stuart Price podcast <laughs> is... Well, to say anything more, we'd give it away. So uh, I think we'll leave it there. Mm. And... Until next time, I've been Shelley Paul. I've been Joe O'Meara. Oh, really? (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.